right, welcome back to Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. How you doing, Mel? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Today we have a great guest with us today. The wonderful Chris McGibbon. Hello. How are you doing, sir? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. You can't get much better than this in the surroundings that we're in right now. I know we are recording on location in Chris's... Chris's... Home away from home, horror realm. Um, this is a horror lover's paradise right here. VHS to the left of me, horror movie memorabilia to the right, stuck in the middle with you. Right? <laughs> there we go. Surrounded by horror. Surrounded by beautiful. This is like amazing. Yeah. You cut off the colorful lights for us. I did. So. I did. I felt like you guys might have needed the, uh, the, the, the natural lighting for... For you a little know, bit see. anyway, you know, yeah. but it was set in the ambiance. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Bring the mood back. Yeah, I mean, I can. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, bring it down a little <laughs> I bit. I support it, I support it. Get ready for date night now. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, so, yeah, Chris, I think I met Chris through the convention circuit before the documentary, or? Um, yeah, I feel like that makes the most sense. I think mm-hmm. Rock and Shock probably would have been where I would have heard or met both of you yeah um because um i feel like there's people on my friends list i'm like i don't know where you came from yeah but then i see they live in massachusetts and they're horror fans i'm like rock and shock yeah it's the only thing i can really put together or maybe we worked on a movie together like 300 years ago and i can i can pinpoint it to that usually yeah. with me it's definitely rock and shock because yes. <laughs> that's how i've met pretty much everybody that i've met is through that convention before yeah. rock and shock i didn't know any other horror fans lived in massachusetts or <laughs> pretty rhode much. island or you know anywhere in the surrounding areas i thought i was the only one yeah. it feels that way when you're into horror because everybody's like not into them or if they are the horror movies they're into aren't really that scary right yeah, I mean, in high school, I think I had those way one other kid that I kind of bonded with over horror movies. You know what I mean? I was always the weird one for him. Everybody else was like, like I don't, I don't mind Star Wars, but even then, like I liked horror movies, but I was always watching horror movies. It was either with my mom up until she passed away, mm-hmm. or by myself mm-hmm. because no one else likes them. I still don't like Star Wars movies. I don't mind Star Wars, like I don't, but this is more. I don't where it's at. I don't hate Star Wars. I don't well, I don't it. hate. You should never have hate in your heart. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, you know, and they've released like 50 of them in the last 10 years since Disney took yeah. over. I like the, I like the first three. We'll work yeah. with that. And the original trilogy is where my uh, my fandom of that begins yeah. and ends. Um, but yeah. Yoda. It's Yoda. It's all about Yoda for me. So. Now, now it's all about baby Yoda. Oh, yeah. And no, I saw that. I'm actually... <laughs> I am intrigued. I'm not going to lie. I kind of want to see how that play, played out. But I haven't seen... Uh, you didn't do the Disney Plus? I do, but oh, I haven't, you, watched, you haven't it. watched it yet. I, I thought watched that it. was like the main reason for getting Disney no, Plus. No, my main reason for getting Disney Plus was um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in HD and, <laughs> and Hocus Pocus in 4K. I was like, ooh! Right, <laughs> you know, My eyeballs lit up because they have a lot of uh, stuff they're putting out in 4K in the next couple of months. Disney's really going nuts with that format. But prior to that, all their stuff was on that streaming. Or maybe yeah. that was it. Was it Mr. Boogity? Mr. Boogity. Mr. Boogity, yeah. That was the fr- I, I didn't get it, but I had a friend of mine that got it. And what I wanted to see was Mr. Boogity. Yeah, Phantom of the Megaplex was one I grew up with. Yeah. That was on there. And I watched it, and it was really stupid. Talking about <laughs> Phantom or Boogity? No, Phantom of the Megaplex. It was really, like, there were yeah. so many plot holes. <laughs> I was just like, ah, oh, man, you could drive a truck through these. Yeah. This is terrible. <laughs> but yeah. it was, you know, whatever. It was nostalgia is a powerful thing, so. Yeah. 
Yeah, Mr. Boogity was a big letdown. Like we were talking the other day about some of the, you know, childhood letdown movies when you go back to watch it, like Garbage Pail Kids. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, you watch that now, and it's like, what was I thinking exactly. watching this as a kid? I didn't see Garbage Pail Kids until I was 15 years old. Um, I worked at a store called Strawberries. Yeah, yeah. I remember and that it was place. where it became FYE or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this woman came in, and she wanted to know if we had it. And I was like, well, no, but we can order it, because we were running on a DOS system. So basically, it would tell you if something was available or not. It would just say Y or N if it was available to order. And all it said was Y. So I was like, okay, we can order it. She goes, great, my kids loved this movie growing up. I can't wait to watch it again. So we ordered it. Normally our turnaround was like two weeks, and it hadn't come in yet. So she started calling us, and we were like, well, when it comes in, we'll call you. It's just maybe the warehouse is behind, whatever. We had no clue what was going on, so we were just like trying to make it up as we went. So then she started coming into the store, and she was pissed. She mm. was like, my kids want this movie. Like, this is a birthday present. It better come in on time. Of course, we missed the birthday, and she threatened to call corporate and all this other stuff. So finally, my manager looked it up on his like at home, because this was before everyone had a smartphone in their pocket. It wasn't out yet. It wasn't coming out till like, June. This is, like, May. So we had to tell her, oh, the system didn't tell us the release date, so this is what's coming out. And you would have thought, like, we just told this woman, like, her entire family pisses up a tree sideways or something. Like, she was so <laughs> mad. He put the phone away like this. She was just screaming, and he's just like, I don't know what to do. So she, He's like, well, I'm so sorry, but we'll get it for you as soon as it comes in. He hung up the phone. So flash forward to June, it comes in, and I told him to order another copy because if it's this good, I have to see it. I've never yeah. even heard of it. Yeah, I brought it home. It was not good. And I'm like, I really hope that this woman is as miserable as I am watching this movie because no, of the crap horrible, she put like, us through. It's probably the worst movie I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of really terrible movies. Yeah, it's really bad. I just, I, I, I don't <laughs> say that lightly either because, I mean, I used, there was another movie I used to say was the worst I'd ever seen. It's a little low budget feature called Night of Horror that runs about an hour and 17 minutes long. And it feels like it's about six hours long, but not in a good way. Um, there's a scene that's legitimately eight minutes long of somebody driving down the street. So I used to say that was the worst movie I'd ever seen, but I'm like, you know what? They spent money on Garbage Pail Kids. Night of Horror, they had no fucking clue what they were doing. So At least they had an excuse. Right. Yeah. Garbage Pail Kids, there was talent involved. Somebody spent money. Yeah. There's no excuse for this. This is just awful yeah. all around. Like, There's nothing redeemable about that movie at all. I think as kids we liked it because it was like, it was a kid's movie that was kind of edgy in a way because... You know, boogers and all. You know what I mean? When you, you know all that weird, like fart not jokes. too edgy, like, but yeah, yeah, you know, like, it goes with the whole fart jokes thing that kids like. Yeah, to, you it's know, like fart jokes. Like but... the boys are flicking boogers at girls and type. You know, mm-hmm. it just plays up on stupidity. Yeah, so and one, then you watch it. One guy who keeps peeing himself. That's the yeah. Joke. You know, peeing himself. When yeah. you're a kid, you like that stuff. You liked watching people pee themselves. I still do. <laughs> <laughs> But then when I, yeah, when it came out on DVD, because it was, like, out of print for a long time. It was, Like, VHS was gone, and they didn't put it on DVD forever, and I remember it was, like, a big deal when they finally decided to put it on DVD, and I got it, and I was just like, oh, Yeah, I was was in FYE a couple weeks ago with um, one of my clients, and they had it, like, right on the big display. Oh, really? With, like... The cards and everything in the boxes right in front of it. Yeah, the cards are great. Yeah, the but cards the, are cool. The movie, the movie, not the so movie is just no, it's awful. And they, um, it uh, it came out on Blu-ray through Screen Factory. They they released it, and um, there's a company I think they're called Hamilton Books, if I'm not mistaken. Basically, what they do is they buy out warehouses, and if something goes out of print, it's actually a pretty easy and cheap way to get something before it's like super expensive. And Garbage Pail Kids just recently went out of print. 
and um, it's like 13 bucks on their website, and whereas on eBay it's like 40 which is ridiculous, but whatever. And people were buying them, and they were still getting the slipcovers. Now, Screen Factory only guarantees slipcovers for the first three months of release. After yeah. that, it goes into the second pressing, and they don't put slipcovers. So, like, so that means that they still are selling off the first pressing. Yeah. That's how well that Blu-ray is old. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus. So, but whatever. Teach their own. It's such a bad movie. Oh, so terrible. <laughs> when you were younger, did you get into, like, the Goosebumps books or yeah. Fair Street? Yeah, Goosebumps was Goosebumps was the cool thing to be into. Yeah. And for me, it was like, oh, wow, you're all on the dark side now. Great. Right. I've been into this crap my whole life, and you're all just jumping shit, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And, uh, yeah, I used to get every... They came out, like, once a week, I think, didn't they? They were pretty they regular. They them out pretty quick. So yeah. it was pretty much whenever a new one came out, I'd go, I'd go and pick it up. And the bookstore I went to had these monster footprints that had mm. Goosebumps written on them, and you'd follow them to the I section. Recall. Was where, that Walden Books? Walden, and then read more books in Taunton. Yeah, Walden awesome. was the spot back yeah. in the day yeah. over by the Hanover Mall. We had one. Another place that's uh, no longer in business. Yeah, we, that was we sad had to one see too. that go. Yeah. Borders took over where it was. And then Borders went out of business. Yeah. So What's left now for bookstores? Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble is probably about the only one I the can think of. That's exclusively a bookstore, yeah. yeah. Like a little mom and pop thing. Yeah, every yeah. now and then you'll College towns, you'll find a lot of like, like Harvard bookstores. bookstores and yeah, stuff like there's that. like yeah. there's a couple in downtown Providence, but you have to like really know the area to know exactly where they are. Yeah, because you kind of literally trip over them as you're walking around downtown. Yeah, I feel like those are cool too because you feel like that kid in the never-ending story. Yeah, yeah you, you gotta go to find the that and you find that awesome book that yeah. you know you never even heard of in your life, and then you find it there. Did you grow with R.L. Stein into his teenage horror I didn't. books? No, no I kind of got away from the Goosebumps stuff when uh, I went into middle school because yeah. it just wasn't really a, wasn't wasn't really cool a thing anymore. anymore. Yeah, that's it wasn't cool. It's just that it was like nobody, no one was reading them. I kind of got over them. I felt like they were a little too young for me, and mm-hmm. I guess I just never really ventured into the Fear Street. Is it Fear Street? Is that his teenage? Well, Fear series? Street. Yeah, he had a. Then he had like um, just straight titles without Fear Street was a. Was a like a, a grouping of them, but then there was like um, Call Waiting. I remember there was one called Hit and Run. Um, but there, yeah, they were like a little more mature than the Goosebump books. Yeah. but they were still like the follow R.L. Stein follow up to them. I know in Fear Street, didn't like kids, teenagers die in Fear Street? I think weren't, they did. Yeah. Weren't there like there wasn't another one that was like a slasher book where like they actually killed some people off in it? I don't know. I've never read any of those. I, I since like fourth or fifth grade i started reading stephen king so i never got yeah. into those rl <laughs> stein was a little light for you i guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> rl stein outsold stephen king i remember at one point that doesn't surprise just, me because kids went nuts over those they books. really, they really did. did they to had me, the grocery to me, like the, goose, the, the goosebump books were like yeah. the babysitter's club i would literally read like six of those books in a week mm, right so i would get bored easily like i literally read a book a day at one point point in time <laughs> I remember the babysitters, uh, the babysitter, Christopher Pike. Do you remember him? Yeah. Yeah. He did like a whole line of the babysitter yep. thing. Yeah. yeah I like that. To this day, if I see him, I pick him up at like Savers and shit. Yeah. I, yeah. I, Goosebumps, it's fun to look. For me, it was always fun to look at the artwork too. Yeah. I always thought that was the cool thing about them is they got some really great art for a lot yeah. of their books that um, really mirrored great horror movie posters. You know, you could just stare at those for hours, you know, be like, wow, like, this is cool. Like, I remember when Night of the Living Dummy 3 came out and it's just a cover of all these dummies <laughs> yeah. in the attic. I was, like, staring at yeah. those for yeah, hours. Yeah, because they're creepy. Yeah. It's just, it's just fun. I think a lot of horror fans now kind of 
that that was an introduction for a lot of kids, I think. You know, what I, I think mean? so too. And uh, anything that kind of brings kids into um, the genre is okay by me. Um, you know, I, I am a big advocate of let kids be kids, but if they're expressing an interest in something, let them express an interest in it and help them get into it in their own way, but don't shove it in. You know, there are some kids who, my niece, for example, used to love to watch horror movies with him, and now she'd care less. She doesn't right. want to see him at all. But I wasn't showing her, like, Cannibal Holocaust or anything like that. Like, we watched, like, you know, a couple episodes of Goosebumps and Mario yeah, Party yeah, in the yeah. Dark, and then yeah. we graduated to, like, Monster Squad and... You know, even Fright Night is kind of, you know, there's no... It's nudity. tame enough. It's tame enough, yeah. And I was like, I'm, I showed her monster stuff. Like, stuff with, mm. not like serial killers, but, you know, things with sharp teeth and red eyes that she knew could never exist. Yeah, and, like, oh, even Godzilla. Like, that's... Yeah. One of the ones my dad would have let me watch without having to have, you know... Yeah, the universal monster stuff. Yeah. 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 I remember being, like, six or seven years old watching I Spit on Your Grave. Yeah, I skipped that, that one. A, that was a problem, I think. I think... That was yeah. an issue. Night of the yeah. Living Dead, I think, was like the first one I really watched with, but you know, both parents, <laughs> because like I like you know my usual story with every Friday night it was a kid movie, and then they would get a horror movie or something for them for themselves after we went to bed. Yeah, more than likely, ninety percent of the time it was a horror movie. So you know, when my mom realized that I was staying up all night long because I was watching these movies and having nightmares, she just started letting us, well, let me watch the movies with them. Mm-hmm. So at least then that way it kind of alleviated the nightmares anyway. Right, right. <laughs> so that's how I got into it. Yeah. Well, I was just, it was just me and my mother. I mean, we lived with her, her her mother and her brothers and sisters. So like my uncles were the one that showed me all like, I spit on your gray. I remember watching Last the Last House on the Left. <laughs> I didn't see that till later. Oh, so they, 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 skipped, the they skipped that one for yeah, you. It was a little yeah. too much, you know yeah. what I mean? They thought that one was, that one was pushing it too far. But like, yeah, yeah, like Nightmare on Elm Street, like two and three, I remember watching really young. House, I remember watching really young. Well, House makes sense. House is a Kitty, goofy. It's yeah, goofy. A... It's a goofy movie and it has a very happy ending. Like, I don't think anybody even dies in House. I think everyone ends up coming out of the house and everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. it was like, almost it, like, it was like, like a big dream. Yeah, I think it like even freeze frames and the guy holding his kid and smiling. Like it's a total like, yeah. you know, after school special episode. I remember, I, I remember like the scene of him dropping like a shotgun shell and then he comes up and like the girl that was sitting at the table with him is like transformed into some weird like demon thing. Yeah. Yeah. There was a movie, there was two movies I never, that I remember seeing but I never figured out what they went to one of them was um you might even know these one of them was like a weird biker movie where um they grabbed this girl these bikers they 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 pulled on her from each end and they tore her apart sound familiar no doesn't ring a bell yeah and then there was another one that i vaguely remember of like um people being out this is you're probably not gonna be able to know this one because it's so like vague but like they're like there's these kids and they're going in they're 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 coming out of like this building and they're followed by like this witchy girl but it's like a library or like a school or something um yeah and that was really it that's all i remember of that one but i've always toxic avenger of course i've seen that really young yeah i like toxic avenger a lot toxic avenger class of newcomb high <laughs> yeah class of newcomb high was good um but yeah what was the first horror movie you remember seeing, Chris? It's Day of the Dead was the first one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know how or why my aunt bought it for me, but she did. It was for my fifth birthday or fourth. It, that she was bought it for your fifth that's birthday. That's the best birthday present it. ever. Yeah. She bought, it she bought me that and a, and a tube of fake blood. Hmm. Which I, my birthday's in March, so it's yeah. like, where did you even find fake blood in March? But whatever, you know, it's fine. Maybe it's left and over from October. I don't know. Well, there's a store in Taunton that actually, oh, okay. um, they sell, like, year-round party supplies and one yeah. of the things I guess they sell is, is fake, fake blood. blood. But I, uh, they're still open. It's called Party Cake. And, uh... Uh, actually, it's kind of cool if you go there on Halloween time. A lot of their decorations are from the 80s. Like, they still have a lot of their old stock. They just constantly keep putting back out. So you can actually go get some vintage decorations from their store. I know you love oh. the Halloween stores. I do. And I you're do. a haunt You're a haunt man, right? Yes, I am. A, I am officially a, well, a haunter. Yeah, a haunter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, she bought me uh, Day of the Dead. And I, I, I still, I wish she was alive so I could ask her why that what movie. Yeah, yeah. What was it? What was it about that movie that you... Uh, made you want to buy it because it was like Day of the Dead was never a big deal yeah. you know what I mean back then it was it was considered a flop it wasn't critically acclaimed or anything so I mean maybe it's because the color was bright and the cover was bright and colorful and you know I mean it's red with bub and you know right. yellow and it's just or yellow and red rather so maybe they maybe she just saw that one. Oh, this looks like it'll be alright and like back then my parents had never heard of it they never questioned it you know they yeah. were just kind of like oh whatever it's fine and um that's the first one I ever... But I was... All, my mother said I was always into scary stuff. Like, yeah. I would make... Like, I had a Freddy Krueger squirt gun. It was okay. like a head. I you remember put, that, You put yeah. your hand inside and had a bulb and you'd squeeze the water out. Mm-hmm. And she's like... I, at that point, I'm, you never even seen a horror film, but you still wanted that and you wanted his glove. And we were like, oh, whatever. It's 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 in the toy aisle. It's for kids. Who cares? Yeah, it was like when I and, was making my, you know, weekly 900 call... 900 number phone calls to Freddy Krueger. Oh, wow. Because he had a 900 number That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. When, uh, I Freddy's Nightmares came out. Yeah, <laughs> I still have the pull cord doll. You got one around here? I uh, I know, but I should I should get one of those. Um, I had one. Taunton Flea had like a whole box of them. Did he? I don't know where they got them from. Yeah, but they had the random Taunton Flea market. Yeah, they usually have some. Good I was stuff there, there, and they they unloaded a, like a box of like four in mint condition. And I had one, so I wasn't gonna buy it. And they wanted like eighty five bucks for it. That's probably why I don't have one. So I wasn't just gonna buy yeah. it. Yeah, but like, yeah, I'm not. A, I, ironically, I'm not. I'm not a Freddy Krueger fan per se. I'm more yeah. of a Jason guy. So, but. It's weird because I was into Freddy and not even knowing who he was. I just like the look of him, I think, but... Yeah. I think a lot of people, like, he talks. He's the wisecracking one, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Jason's my uh, Jason's my go-to. Yeah. You'll see a lot more Jason stuff in here than you... Actually, I think I don't even... I have two Freddy figures. That's about it. Everything else is Jason or Night of the Demons or... Uh, Sam, Evil Dead. Yeah, Day of the Dead, so... Yeah, those are the two biggies. Jason and Freddy, you know yeah. what I mean? I yeah. probably lean more towards Jason. I mean, I've seen more Freddy younger, as young, as a younger kid, I've seen more Freddy. Yeah, me too. But I think I was more of like a Jason, liked him more as like a character. I mean, I like Freddy, don't get me wrong, I like them both. Yeah, but, yeah. I think my problem with the Nightmare on Elm Street movies as a whole is it's, um, it's a very uneven franchise for yeah. me. I think the first one is just a phenomenal movie. It's just so well made, and it still has the power to be very scary in the right environment. In a dark room, when you're by yourself, that movie can still work pretty well. Um, Part two is just, it's an odd film. It's ridiculous, but it's odd, but I I appreciate that they tried to do something completely different. They didn't just want to do the same thing again. I mean, granted, like, it was kind of a misfire. Yeah, that's kind Um, of where Freddy became more comedic. He was still pretty dark in part two. I think it's part three is when he really... And I, I hate part three. Everyone, you hate part three. Everyone loves like, three. Like, that's like my favorite one. Yeah, everyone <laughs> loves three, three, but I don't three, like right? three. I think three is terrible. 
Um, and um, I just, I, I, it, to me, it has like one of the biggest plot holes that everybody just glosses over because nostalgia is a very powerful thing. And um, that is, and I'm going to fuck it up for everybody, I don't care, <laughs> is that uh, in the movie, the kids all go to sleep to rescue their friend, what, is it, what the hell is his name, it's asleep, he can't, he's in the car. Oh, yeah, I know you're talking about. Jimmy, it. Timmy, something yeah, like that? Joe. Joey, Joey. 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 And then it, subsequently they all end up getting, most of them end up getting killed, right? Yeah. If they had all stayed awake, they would have been fine, because the doctor is the one who kills Freddy by spraying holy water on him and burying him. So they didn't yeah. need to go to sleep. They could have just stayed awake. But they didn't know that at the time. It doesn't matter. They're trying to help they just, out they, they just wanted to use their dream powers. Yeah, so right. They, you know, yeah, yeah. They Ms. wanted to be cool or something. Yeah, yeah right. It's, no, listen. It's riding one-on-one. You don't <laughs> open up a fucking door like that. It's just like, because if they had done something that mattered and made a difference in the way the story was going to move, yeah. it would have made sense. But they legitimately have zero effect on what happens to Freddy when they go into the dream world. Maybe the writers are trying to tell the youth something like, don't bother trying. Maybe, I don't know. You know what I mean? But, uh, and then on top of that, the I think the the acting in that one just for me really is... Bad. It's really terrible. Um, especially, uh, I almost said Nancy Thompson, but that's that's her character's name. Heather Langenkamp in part yeah. three. It's like, were you, did you really not sleep for like weeks before you did this movie? Because that's what it feels like you did. Yeah. She's so, like, just flat. Like, it's just like, there's nothing no there. She probably don't want to be a part of the film. I don't know. And even Patricia Arquette, like when she, when she, in the beginning, when her wrist is cut and she does that, and the mother comes in, what did you do? And she goes, the razor just kind of like drops out of her hand. She just goes, ah, and she just falls over. (laughs) And I'm like, bitch, you didn't see a cockroach. Like, you know, you you cut your, your your wrist is bleeding. Yeah, you just cut Um, your wrists. And, and, uh, the Wizard Master kid, I hate him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only character I liked was Taryn, and she ends up, ends up getting killed. I think that's why I like Bad Dreams so much, because she's in Bad Dreams, that actress, Jennifer Rubin, and she survives that movie, spoiler yeah. alert. But it's basically the same plot, where they're in a hospital, and they're all getting killed in their sleep by this burned guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm just like, fuck yeah. me, they both came out the same year, too. <laughs> like, one of these things is totally not like the other, but they so are. And then, um, I love part four, though. I think part four is very underrated for Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street, and part five is just, I don't know what yeah, the fuck yeah. anyone was thinking. Freddy's Dead, same thing, that's like nearly unwatchable, and the West Korean Zoo Nightmare is fine. Yeah. But, like, that's it for me. Like, so, like, there's so many peaks and valleys in that franchise where it's just, like, there's no consistency. Friday the 13th starts off as shit, and it stays shit, and I love it. Yeah. Because it doesn't aspire to be more than that. It's just, like, we're making movies about teenagers getting killed in violent, creative ways, and that's all we're trying to do. And that's it. And if anyone would get a little more creative with it, they could, but it didn't change the flow. You could watch all eight of those movies in mean, a nice little marathon, and there's never going to be a point where you're like, wow, this one's really terrible, and this one's really great. They're all kind of the same. There are some that are a little better than others, but like not leaps and valley, you know, leaps and bounds. It's just right. like. So, what do you, how do you feel about the crowdfunding that's going on right now to make the new Freddy vs. Jason movie? I didn't even know they were doing that, but that was a Blake, question for Chris. Blake Best, um, Mick, he works with Mick Strong. They wrote the book together that we had on when oh. we were still with WBOB. Um, um, he's he, yeah. he's been posting about they have a crowdfunding going that they want to make a new Freddy vs. Jason movie. Um, I think Freddy vs. Jason was a fun idea, but we already got it. Yeah. And it was a, it was a very silly movie, but it had a great scene where those two went at it and fought. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I was a 16 when that came out. Yeah. 16 year old me was like this. I've been waiting my whole life for this. And then mm-hmm. once it was over, I was like, all right, I got it. I'm happy. Right. You know what I mean? And I was done. Yeah. I didn't need another one. I didn't, I mean, it would have been great if I made another one, but like, I don't need it. We got the one. We're good. Like, we don't need a franchise out of this separate thing. Um, 
I think if someone has a cool idea and they want to do something with it, then go for it. You know what I mean? If you're going to, if they're going to try to make another sequel, I mean, you know, it was more like that Never Hike Alone. Is that what they're trying to do? Like something where they're not going to like get the studio involved. They're just going to make it and put it on like YouTube a fan or something. Film thing, yeah, you know? Is that fan. kind of the idea? Yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't really get behind the fan films because they just did one with Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's just kind of like trying to piggyback, yeah. piggyback off of the hype of the franchises, but they're never really that good. You know what I mean? Well, Never Hike Alone was pretty decent. Like that one yeah. was actually not that bad, and it was a free one that you can get. You can still get it on YouTube, I think. It's, there was a little. Uh, conversation we'll say going on recently about a guy that played uh jason in a fan film that was catching some heat because he was doing a con did you hear about that no oh yeah it might have been from that film mm. i remember the but Fra- freddie rush jason was i was you know, i went to go see that three times in theaters that's how much i, I saw it twice yeah. yeah me too um maybe that's why they're calling for it but yeah like i agree with chris there's really no need for like a Freddy Rich Jason part two. Yeah, why fix what it's not okay? I mean, back then it made a lot of money. It made a shit ton of money. So the fact that the studio didn't do it right away, yeah, it hasn't done it since is pretty telling too. Like, I mean, I feel like that movie took a while to get off the ground for whatever reason. They just could not nail an idea down. They yeah. just could not figure out how this was going to work. And then they went with like a decent idea. There was some other. There's a book actually written. I can't remember the name of it, but it's a, it's an entire book that basically goes over every idea that was made for Freddy versus Jason that didn't get made. And some of them were amazing, but the money wasn't there. And some of them were worse than what we got. So this one was like very, like that, what we got was very middle of the road. Like yeah. This is like, it's not the greatest, it's not the worst, boom, it kind of works because it yeah. meets somewhere in the middle. And it was fine, but like, it's goofy. It's very goofy, it's very silly. Um, the characters, like some of the dialogue they have is terrible. And then it's recycled ideas, there's nothing new in it. The best thing about it is when Jason flips that table over and that guitar lick happens and those two go at it for 15 minutes. Yeah. That's the best part of the whole movie. Then the rest yeah. of it, I'm like, I don't... I vaguely remember there being a caterpillar going into yeah, someone's that's mouth. I was just going to say, you know when I mean? Freddy came out as the caterpillar smoking. Yeah. It was just okay. like, okay, that was a thing. And then, like, Jason folded... One of the best kills he had, folding the guy into the bed. Yeah, that was yeah. great. But I'm just like... And he never spilled his beer. No, he didn't. You're right. Um, you're right. He didn't. He didn't spill his beer. The uh, the rest of the the rest of the movie though, like the, I just I don't know. Like there was some of it. I was just like, nah, you know, it's all right. It's not the worst. It's not the greatest. But it fell in line with the rest of the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, where it was just like, all right, if you kind of go in with that mindset, it's kind of dumb fun, and you can just kind of have a good time with it. Then go for it, but don't look for anything more from it. Right. So. Did you ever hear about the sequel um, where, like, Jason was on trial? What? There was a, there was a supposed <laughs> sequel where Jason Voorhees was, like, on trial. This is real. I would you have liked to see how that one played out. I would love to read the script. It was, there was, yeah, where he was. What did they pro- do when he took the witness stand? Like, so, Mr. Voorhees, where were you on whatever date? And he just sits there and stares at them, like, all right, well, next question. It's like, what the? You ever seen that interview that uh, Arsenio Hall did? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. how I could picture yep. it going yeah, down, yeah. like, you know, with uh, Kane Hodder yeah. coming out as Jason. It was a it was a great thing to promote that to movie. Have but that's, him on, yeah. That's exactly how I could see the Freddy versus Jason goes to trial going down. Yeah. Unless they got Joe Pesci to come back and play Vinny. And be his uh, lawyer, I wouldn't be interested. He's out of retirement. I know. I want him. I would like a my cousin Vinny too. I, I could. I could get behind that. Okay. Academy Award winning film. Movie's... What's her name? Won an award for that. Marissa uh, Tomei. Marissa Tomei. Yeah. 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 That the sequel sounds like a funnier die sketch. Yeah. 
But yeah, I heard that was a real thing. Was it? Yeah. I am. This is the first time I'm hearing Horrifying. Because yeah, I was, yeah, I was listening to a podcast where they were going through all the different sequel ideas that have been thrown around. They were talking about how they were going to do the Bruce Campbell one. With yeah, Ash and, it was, and they did a comic book of that too. That's I think that's what kind of sparked that is there was a comic book called Ash versus Jason... Freddy and J- Freddy versus Jason yeah. or something like that, and then uh, there was a discussion of um, what's his name Herbert West being yeah, okay. being re-animator. involved in it, like reanimator with you know, and it's just like guys like we're crossing over too many franchises here, you know, and yeah, it's a celebrity death match of horror movies, right? It's just it's too much. Um, and then there was Michael Myers versus the two of them, and Leatherface. Leatherface, Leatherface was more likely because Leatherface was under the New Line New banner Line. for a while. So there was a, there was there was I think there was some real serious talks about trying to bring those three together in a movie, and I'm like that could be okay, like you know, but then you'd have to somehow get Jason and Freddie to Texas, you know. Yeah. Well, they were they were making fun of it one time because um, Kane is the only person that's played all three characters. Yeah. Because he had the glove on at the Fre- end of yeah, Freddy, Jason goes Jason to goes hell. hell. Yeah. He was a stuntman for Leatherface. Yeah, Leatherface three. Yep. So like he's got he's and obviously he's played Jason so he's done all three. It was actually funny is they said Kane Hodder said that um, they didn't want him in Freddy vs Jason but he still managed to be in the movie because I guess they played a clip from like Leatherface and that's the scene he's in. Yep. <laughs> so he's like I still got to be in the movie. So. I wonder if that was intentional. I don't know if it That'd was be, or not. They, it'd be kind if it was. I mean, it, it would have been kinder if they had hired him. I mean, that was Ronnie Yu. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, well, Ronnie Yu wanted a, wanted an actor that had kinder eyes because Jason was sort of the hero in that movie. Yeah, he's just kind of dropped in by Freddy, who's yeah, manipulating the whole thing. He's being, he's being Yeah, so he's sort of supposed to be the good guy because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, he uh, he wins the fight and fights for the he ends up not. Inter- I mean, yeah, although he does. He does kill Kelly Rowland, but she kind of earned that. So, you know. how fresh was it? Dark meat. How sweet, that dark, that how dark, sweet dark meat. Yeah, but yeah. When she did the what kind of faggot runs around in a Christmas sweater, I was like, oh, kill her now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, please let like something. And then he came out and did. And I would, when Freddie did the oh, and I was like, that's exactly what I did. I was like, oh, good, all right. Yeah, she's gone. <laughs> that was a great battle scene, though. It was amazing. You gotta give it up. It was that. amazing. Who knew Freddie knew Taekwondo? I mean, hey. like. He totally brought it. And he didn't quite kill him. Nope. That, people hated that, too. The wink the at the wink. end. But yeah. I liked the wink. Because it was like, they're so, the entities are so huge and I think, I think that's like, kind of what made it. You can't have him kill him. That's yeah. what kind of what made people want another one. Because they figured, because of that, that that was, you know, their yeah. sign that there was going to be another one. Right. I, I don't think it would ever be fair to give the other one the upper hand over the, the other one. You no, know it's I mean? always going to be, it always should be a tie. No, Ash Ash versus though them would have been interesting though because he it was a good guy. He's like kind of really the only horror icon, if you will, that like is like a good guy. There's not really other any many other yeah good guys. You know what I mean? I heard Sam Raimi pulled the plug on that officially. That was the deal with that. Thank you, Sam. If you ever hear this, thank you. We don't. I hope you. We know Sam's listening. We know uh, Sam doesn't get the credit he deserves. He's getting it now. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Gracias. If I ever meet him, I'll tell him that. Thank you for stopping He's that. doing cons now. I'd love to go meet him. Yeah, I've heard he's really cool and really nice. Oh, I bet he's a sweetheart. You see, he's always, in all his interviews and stuff, he's always seemed like a really nice guy. You know. But, um, there was this film franchise. It was called Night of the Demons. Oh, Lord have mercy. Um, 
I have some involvement with it, but I know a gentleman in this room right now, I'm not Bobby, but another gentleman in this room that has a lot more involvement in it. I think Christopher, I think. I think yeah. Chris has some. So, where did your love for Night of the Demons come from? Um, start, rather. I was way too young to be seeing Night of the Demons, but yes. I was a kid, probably about six, maybe five or six years old. It was around... I always kind of said that I saw Day of the Dead, Night of the Demons, and Return of the Living Dead Part 2 around the same time. They were around the same age, but Night of the Demons, I remember very specifically, I was at um, Apex. It was like a department store, for those of you... I don't think it was a New England thing. I don't think it went out yeah, there in New remember. England, but I, it could not have yeah, been. Yeah, they maybe. had one in Rhode Island. That's my ignorance of, in Rhode Island. Yeah, that's yeah. my ignorance of department stores. I know about Harmon's not department stores, but anyway. Yeah. Apex had... Well, department stores back then had a little bit of everything. It wasn't like a Filene's or a Macy's where they only had clothes. Um, so they had a movie section and then it was in the back corner of the store and my mother would always go looking for whatever she was looking for and I would just go over there and she knew I wouldn't leave there. I would stay there and look all night. And I remember the store was getting ready to close and I was, I was able to pick out one movie and I was having a hard time picking something out. And all of a sudden I saw this cover and it's right there and it just caught my eye and I just went, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta watch this. And I, I walked that up to the counter. That's the one I bought. Went to my grandmother's house. For a little bit, we were dropping something off, and she told me, "Don't put it on because we're leaving." I'm like, I just want to watch like the first like five minutes or something while, while I'm waiting. Saw so it opening titles, and I was like, I was hooked. Yeah, animated opening titles. It was just like, fuck, Great. this is my yeah. new favorite movie. Yeah, and um, watched it at home and fell in love with it. And uh, actually, cut my finger open once. I was trying to do. I was. Uh, I was very embarrassed. I'll be very embarrassed to say this now, but whatever. <laughs> I was trying to do Amelia's dance in the movie. Oh, I was geez. doing all the spinning, and I went into the and I put my finger into the couch, and I guess there was a spring or something that yeah. I just sliced my finger right open and started screaming and bleeding everywhere. But that's whatever. Um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. but uh, but yeah. So I mean, it was t- 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 typical. I just saw it when I was really young, and, and it just became something that I uh, watched all the time, you know, and just fell in love with, and just never um, never really looked back, you know. Yeah. Yeah, when I was a kid, the the cover was too much for me. When I go to the rental store, and I'd see it. It was too scary for me. Yeah, Ooh, too I know. Scary. I know. I know a lot of people that say that <laughs> they never rented it because it looked too scary. They yeah. thought it was, it was going to be too much. And yeah. I'm like, little did you know. But then again, too, like there are people I know that I've talked to that movie terrified them. It actually yeah. it absolutely scared the crap out of them. I believe it's like, it. I mean, for me, that's. It's weird because, like, I never, I, I never got scared by that kind of stuff. It just never scared me. It just, it always entertained me, and it made me want to watch more of it. And um, when I was a kid, I was terrified of our basement, and mm-hmm. it was, it was just a place I just didn't want to go into. And I used to feel like that Angela and Bub were like my imaginary friends, and like they would protect me from all the bad things in the basement. So I'd always have to like wait for them to show up before I could go downstairs. Yeah. And I remember telling Amelia Kincaid that story, and she was blown away because she's like, so it's like I was your protector when I, you know, I, you were a kid. I'm like, yeah, I guess kind of. You, you, the evil monster who kills, I don't know how many people in those three movies, yeah. was uh, was my... And it's like whatever helps you get over that fear. Right. It was my anti-boogeyman. So, which is kind of ironic because she, as a demon in herself, is a boogeyman, but... That's weird. I used to have dreams of Freddy Krueger as my friend. Oh, really? Back in the day, yeah. Really? And he would, he would like, he'd want me to, uh, he would want to impress girls, so he'd want to scare me in front of girls to impress them. <laughs> it was very weird. This is, we need to make this into a movie as Let's well. Let's do it. That's what I'm hearing. Right? Like, that Let's needs to be a movie. That'd be interesting. Yeah. 
But I love, yeah, like the intro the first time. I didn't watch it until my teenage years, and I loved it. Like, yeah, that intro is great. The music's great. Ties you right in. It's very fun. Um, it's campy at times, but, like, the horror is there, you know what I mean? It's really good. I, I, I think when you watch those opening titles, if you're into that, mm-hmm. you're sold on the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. That pretty much perfectly encompasses what you're getting yourself into. And if you're bored or you're kind of, you're zoning in and out, it's like, all right, this isn't for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm actually always surprised when I show that movie to people who have never seen it, because I never know how they're going to react to it. Because I always feel like, you know, there's people I, I thought were going to love it that think it's just okay, or ones that really didn't like it at all, or ones that I'm like, yeah, this isn't really a thing, that thought it was the best thing they've never seen. And um, I had a friend who I showed it to, uh, who was a big horror movie fan, he always, it was the same deal. He saw the cover when he was a kid, but it always scared him, and just, you just never could rent it. Yeah. And then I, I, I had, because I, I have an abundance of copies on VHS, if anyone cares, but <laughs> I had an extra one, I sent it over to him, and he watched it, and he's a big Alice in Wonderland fan. So once he saw one of the characters dressed up as Alice in Wonderland, he was completely sold. He was like, yeah. oh my god, this is my new favorite movie. And he called me, he's like, this movie was amazing, and he showed it to all his friends, like every movie night he brings it over, like, let's watch Night of the Demons, and they're like... Dude, we've seen it six times, you know what I mean, like in the yeah. last month, so no, <laughs> we'll watch something else, but, and then there was another guy that I thought would love it, and he was like, yeah, it was alright, wasn't my, one of my favorites, and I'm like, well, no shit, okay, well, whatever, so you can't really pinpoint it, I guess. When did you see uh, Night of the Demons for the first time? God, I don't even remember. <laughs> it, I watched it right before the remake came out. But, like, to, like, kind of revisit it. Yeah, yeah. But I don't even remember how old I was when I saw it for the first time. Kevin, I know I was pretty young. Yeah. Kevin Tenney's brother did the music, right? Yeah. I yeah, his name Dennis Michael Tenney. He yeah. uh, did the music and was told to, uh, when he was composing it, to picture a carnival in hell. And that's where a lot of the music right. sort of stemmed from. Like yeah, another brother, like a... Forbidden Zone, Carnival in Hell. Sure. Um, two other director-composer-brother relationships. Right. With the Elfman brothers. That's true. Something about carnivals in hell, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, do you fondly remember part two and three as well? Or? Uh, two, yes. Two, um, two I, I remember when... I, Blockbuster or major video at the time mm-hmm. used to send, uh, they used to have these pamphlets at the front that would showcase the new releases for that week or the following week. And my parents always brought them home every Friday so we could look to see what was coming out. And I saw Night of the Demons 2 and I hit the ceiling. I was like, oh my God, they made a part two. We have to, I have to get it. I have to get it. And uh, my father rented it for me. And I remember I went to school that day and he had it on top of the refrigerator and I had to do my chores before I could get the tape and watch it. It was like, Okay, this is what you got to do, this, this, and this. And I did them all really fast. Didn't even tell him I was done. I climbed on top of the counter, grabbed the tape, and went down. And then he went to go hand me the tape because he realized I had finished. And I, you know, checked everything out. And I was like, where is it? And I went, I already got it. And it was already in the VCR and everything. And he's like, how the hell did you even get up there? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, he just couldn't figure it out because it wasn't like there was a, there was no stool or anything. And I was a short kid, so... Yeah. You know, it was I'm just literally like, climbing the counters just to get yeah, up there and grab yeah, it. Yeah, I just I was determined, man. I was just like, I don't care. He's like, I'm like, don't ever hide anything up there again because you know I can get to it now. But um, I loved it. I thought it was great. The, the thing with the Super Soakers and um, the seeing Angela come back, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought it was just the bee's knees. 
part three, unfortunately, I didn't love yeah. when I saw it. Um, I heard about it because I was reading the TV guide. Because back then, that's what you did. You flipped to the TV guide. And once again, saw Night of the Demons 3 and was like, what? They made a part three? <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's coming on at like 3 o'clock in the morning, though. Like, what the hell, Cinemax? So my father stayed up and recorded it for me. And um, I thought he recorded the wrong movie. I was pretty convinced it was the wrong movie for like the first like five minutes. I'm like, this doesn't seem right. I think he recorded the wrong thing. And then I saw Amelia and I went, oh, no. And um, I think it was 12 when that came out. And I, I absolutely hated it. I thought, yeah. it was, I thought it was terrible. I um, I had a friend who was a big horror movie fan at that point in my life. And we went to a massive video and we rented that. And Retro Puppet Master. Because mm. <laughs> he really wanted to see both of them. And I was like, Night of the Demons 3 is so bad, though. And I'm like, well, at least Retro Puppet Master will be better. And I was like, oh, boy. Not by much. <laughs> did I misjudge this situation? <laughs> did, I, did I ever think that Retro Puppet Master would, uh, would best Night of the Demons 3 on being bad? No, sir. And then, uh, and, and then I, my opinion on it shifted slightly, but I still didn't love it. And it wasn't actually until the last couple of years that my view on that one started to change when I started to learn more about it and how yeah. it was made and um, kind of the struggles they had getting it made and, and um, the time frame it was made in. It was shot in just about two weeks, which for a movie of that undertaking is insane, yeah. especially all night shooting. That entire movie takes place at night. Yeah. has a lot of special effects in it. I mean, they're not the greatest special effects, you know, ever committed to film, but they're they're really good. They're very um, They're very well done. But um, you could tell, like, you know, it was low budget. You know, it's rubbery, I guess. You know, not the worst thing, but some of the CG is really bad. Um, but when you figure you have two weeks to make a movie like that, mm. it's insane that it's even in focus. You know what I mean? That they, you know, they, they Especially when it's all night shoots. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Different House, which I, I think if they had, they had discussed the house being different, I, people would have been a little softer on it. But the fact that they just sort of, pretended like it was the same house and it was such a different location was really insulting to the people who saw the first two and obviously i don't think many people would have picked up night of the demons three mm. without watching one and two first right. so it's like you could have at least had some kind of a line about the house being torn down this new one being yeah. built you know and now that's where the movie's taking place whatever but just insulting your audience by not addressing it was just like oh man like yeah. you had to know something was wrong but um I guess, like, their mindset really was that they just felt like people wouldn't really care, you know, but we did. Yeah. So, but. Yeah, it's weird. Sometimes the franchises act like, the f like, they're making it for the fans of the other ones, but they kind of ignore <clears throat> this, the, the leading up films. Ones. It's yeah. Weird. yeah weird. Well, the, the, the filmmakers behind those movies, they adore their fans. I mean, that's not, um, you know, the guys who own the movies. It's I just think that they're, mindset was they thought they're getting another Night of the Demons film. They're not going to care about the location. They're going to care yeah. about getting another Night of the Demons movie. What year was <clears> the third one made? 97. Right. And it was shot in Canada because um, of the tax breaks were starting to become a really right. good thing then. And um, they had an opportunity, I guess, to film it in the original house, but it was it was about to be torn down. Mm -hmm. and But they couldn't get the, the film together in enough time to do it. So they went up to Canada and um, some interesting stories about how the effects were done and how stuff, because a lot of the effects work was fabricated in L.A., and then they were sent up for makeup artists to Canada to kind of put it all together. But um, there's some interesting stories about how that 
happened. And again, like, oh my god, you guys went through all of that and the movie still got made? Yeah. Okay, cool. So. What'd you think of the reboot? Off the record, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I try to be diplomatic with the remake. Okay. Yes, we've... I love everybody who's involved in it. Mm-hmm. Who's, who worked on it. Everybody we talked to has been really sweet and very... Yeah. Um, very friendly. I mean, everyone from all, all the movies has been great. But um, it's not one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I don't revisit it as often as I revisit the first three. Is that diplomatic enough? That works. Okay. I'll move on to the next question because we don't want to... <laughs> We don't want to linger. How'd you become involved with the documentary? It was my idea. Hey! Yeah, it was my idea. Um, I have a friend named Michael Perez who produces documentaries who I play uh, Friday the 13th with. And um, we were having a discussion one night about projects he was working on. And he said to me, I'm running out of franchises. I've done Nightmare on Elm Street. I've done Friday the 13th. I've done Return of the Living Dead. Um, He was gearing up to do the Police Academy thing. And... um, he said, you know, um, the other documentaries have been made about other horror franchises. So he's like, I'm really running out of stuff to do. And I had said to him, well, have you ever thought about tackling Night of the Demons? And he said, well, didn't Scream Factory do, like, a pretty extensive documentary on their Blu-ray? I said, yeah, but they didn't get everybody from all four movies. And they, the first one, they kind of left some stuff out. I think we could do, we could probably do a little better. I can get some people involved that weren't involved in that. Like, I think, I think it could be better. He's like, all right, well, let me talk to my producer and see if he's something he's interested in. And um, the next day, he's like, yeah, they want to do it. It was immediate yes. Hmm. I asked him, they said yes. And I said, okay, so now what? He goes, now we got to try to get it going. And um, and that's what we did. We, uh, we started um, pre-production in May into June. We started filming, I think, in July and August. It moved pretty fast. Um, we filmed 25 interviews. We still have 25 more left to do. Um, and, um, it was a wonderful experience. Every, like I said, everybody in the movie was great. Some people I'd met before, some I was meeting for the first time. I think the big highlight for me was meeting Hal Havens, who played Stooge, because yeah. Stooge has been my favorite character in those, yeah. uh, of all those movies. And, um, just a wonderfully sweet guy and very friendly and funny. He's yeah. very funny, you know. Uh, short. They were all short. They were shorter than I expected them to be. Like, yeah. seeing them on TV on the big screen, like, oh, these guys are like six feet tall. Yeah, yeah. They're all my, they're all like five, eight, five, seven. So I'm like, wow, you're all my, my size. That's yeah. cool. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, and, you know, uh, yeah, so that's how I got involved. It was, it was, it was my idea. What was the most difficult in the beginning? What was like the most difficult part about it? Just rounding everybody up? Yeah. Yeah, because you're, the, 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 one of the things that I I realized kind of quickly walking into this was that, um, one of our producers had never seen the movies before, Mm -hmm. um, and not that everyone in every project needs to see everything, so it wasn't a detriment, but he asked me if there was anybody in the movies that died early that we could cut out, because if they die early, then they're not in much of the movie, so is there any, because we were getting yeses from everybody. Yeah. And uh, it was starting to get to a point where we were like, we were stacking up interviews left and right, and there was nobody saying no, so we were like, well, we might not have enough time to do all these people, so is there anyone that maybe died early on that we can save for the next round of filming, or maybe not have to utilize as much, or... And I was like, actually, if they die, they're more useful because they become a demon, so they're in makeup throughout the rest of the movie, so they're actually more important than the characters who live to the end, and he was like... So is there anybody who lived to the end that we don't need? And I was like, no, no, that doesn't work that way either because they still lived to the end of the movie. So 
Um, but we, you know, we, we, we didn't, we haven't turned anybody away and it just, it just because we were doing two pieces at once, it became an issue of time if we were going to have enough time to get everybody. And we didn't, we didn't have enough time. Um, police Academy is a franchise that spans over, I think it's eight movies, no, seven movies in a, in a TV show and an animated TV show. So like they went all extensive on that. So it's like every day we had about anywhere from 10 to 15 people coming in and out. So. How long was each interview, roughly? Um, 45 minutes, about. Maybe a little less, depending on the person. It really depended on how in-depth they wanted to get mm. with their answers or how crazy they wanted to get. Um, Kevin Tenney was the longest one. His was, like, over three hours. We, oh, had, really? we actually had him wow. come in twice. Oh, that's cool. But if you think about it, he's involved in all four movies, except for part two. But part two, he still had some stuff to talk about because... He was approached to do part two, but he had to turn it down. He was working on something else. Yeah, I didn't know he had any involvement with two and three. He, he did well. Three, he wrote. Oh, did he? Write yeah, three? he wrote. He wrote part three, and he also edited part three. Um, and um, he produced the remake. He was an executive, executive and associate producer on the remake. Yeah. I can't remember which. So he had something. It was, actually, the remake was his idea. Hmm. So thanks, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Kevin. <laughs> He knows how I feel about the remake. I, like I said, I don't hate it. It's just that I love the first one. So, do you have a deadline when you're going to finish this that you want to get it out by? Or I'd love to say yes, but um, there there are other projects that the company that I'm working with has to get done first um, because they were closer to being done in the first place. So the focus has really been on getting those out the out the gate. Um, the other issue is, is a lot of the stuff's crowdfunded and I'm mm-hmm. sure you guys know with crowdfunding, if you don't yeah. deliver immediately, people start to get antsy and start yeah. to think you took their money and ran. Right. So we're like trying to tell them, no, this is still happening. We're still doing this. So in the interest of just letting people know we're still a company, we're still putting stuff out. They're getting those other projects out and then we'll go into our second round of crowdfunding for Night of the Demons because we didn't quite make her goal the first go around. And that was very much to do with timing. We did it right before Christmas, and I'm like, this is the worst time we could do it. But we kind of had to do it because we had stuff we wanted to do the following year that meant we needed the money sooner than later. And even with that being said, we still raised 51%. So I'm like, even without, like, the hype of Halloween that this movie normally has behind it, every horror website's talking about it in October, we still managed to get 51%. So I think the audience is 100% there. They just weren't able to do it then. And we just uh, showed our new poster which is phenomenal. Um, uh, I love that artwork. I designed it with the artist who did it. Um, his name was Juan. Yeah. And I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm not going to try to pronounce the rest Juan of it. Juan Jose. Something. Name that would be butchered. Yeah. Last name that would be it's butchered. It's an S. Yeah. I'm sorry, Juan. I hope you don't listen to this name. You are a super um, talent, though. He's sure. amazing. He is wonderful. Yeah. And he does uh, phenomenal work. Um, and uh, we had people messaging us, like, in... It's it's insane number of people were like, oh, when can I donate? What you know, what's going on? What's happening? And we had to kind of like set up an auto response because we're like, we can't keep up. You know, we're just we're checking messages. We're ready to do this. Like we just have to. We want to get this done first. And we promise it's still happening. Um, so there was a lot of that happening in the last couple of weeks. It's finally calmed down now. We're finally at the point now where like everyone's sort of gotten their messages and everyone I hope is happy, but. Um, was this another case of, like, uh, you'll hear stories of, like, all these older horror movies and such where, like, the people that were involved with them never realized that there was such a cult status to them? Because I know that, like, 
uh, Amelia and Hal and even Kevin are doing more conventions now. So when 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 the documentary started to you know pick up dust and all make tracks and stuff like that, where people kind of shocked in a way that there was life to it to this movie they made you know twenty thirty years ago. I think the people from part two are more surprised. Yeah, um, part one um, that cast has remained pretty close. Okay, so they talked to each other about what was going on. Um, Lance Fenton was the only one who seemed still kind of. On the fence about what it, you know, what it had done, or not really knowing what it had done, um, it was actually a shame. He's he's been invited. He was invited to a convention in Atlanta, and he unfortunately couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. And there was a screening in LA that we all went to that he was invited to, and he didn't make it to that either. Mm-hmm. So he's never really got to experience like what the fans of the movie are like, and like yeah. what it's like being in a group of people who love the movie. Um, actually, it was funny enough when I talked to him about this. Um, he told me that he didn't realize Night of the Demons was a big deal until he walked into Blockbuster and saw it had been remade. Yeah. That's when he realized there was must have been something behind it. Right. Someone must have made some money. And it must have been a cult movie or something. Even Heathers. He didn't realize Heathers was a big deal. He was really? in Heathers. Yeah, he played the uh, the jock who gets shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and those are the, those are the, actually, I think those are the... I think he did another movie. I think those are the two big movies he did. And uh, But anyway, he could tell the story as to why he got out of acting. But... Um, but he was the only one who I think didn't really know what was going on. Uh, everyone else kind of did. But part two, I mean, they're all, you know, they all were just like, yeah, we came, we did it, we came, it went. We didn't think it did anything, you know. We just thought it came because it came out basically direct to video. Yeah. So, but th- those actors, I mean, everybody's been wonderful. But they were like, they were so excited. Like one of them hung out just to see uh, the other come in so they could chat and hang out afterwards. He was so excited that he was coming in. Yeah. He made us book him on a day that other people from part two were going to be there so we could be like... Reunion. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, you know. And uh, it was great seeing those two. It was the guy who played uh, Z-Boy, Darren Reams, and Mm. uh, Rick Peters who played Rick, ironically. Um, And Rick was super tall, but like, anyway. Yeah. After their interviews were done, they sat in the lobby of our studio and just talked and talked. And it got to a point where we were like, well... You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. We got to go home. Yeah. So you can stay if you want, but we're going to lock up. So, um, But they were wonderful. They were so great, and they were so happy to see each other. And like they played friends in the movie, and they were, I guess they were very friends. Because every one of those movies, they were all they were all in their 20s. Yeah. So like they're all like hanging out, having a great time, and we have the call sheets for part two. It's 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 like, it's I want to publish those. Yeah. It's amazing. One of the lines in it is... Um, Everybody was on time today. No cardiac arrests reported. Yeah. Just everybody was always late. You know, someone was always behind or, you know, they'd spent all night hanging out and having a good time. So they got to bed later than they should have or whatever. But Was that the AD comment with the cardiac arrest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We, we looked at those, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I noticed you those, You got a lot of cool things from um, when you, you guys emptied out a storage locker. Yeah. Well, that, that had nothing to do with the documentary. That was um, when oh. the Blu-ray was coming out. Uh, the producers who owned the movie had a storage facility in L.A. They were looking to empty because they were paying storage fees for stuff. And they didn't really know what to do with any of it. So they're like, you know, whatever we don't need, we're going to toss. Whatever we should keep, we'll keep. But they really just kind of figured the space needs to be emptied. liquidated. Yeah, yeah emptied. And um, so we... Um, we we went to the uh, the facility, and my friend and I, you know, we kind of dug through some stuff and um, didn't get through much. And then I, I, I had to fly back to Massachusetts, so he finished it off. But that's when we started finding, 
some of the the props and the posters and prints of the film on yeah. film. Um, so literally slides. the little hidden gems. Yeah, uh, scripts, um, storyboards, press kits. I have all that stuff, and because we we everything they didn't want, we were like, well, can we keep it? Do we have to throw it away? And they said, no. If you want to take it, we just don't want it anymore. Yeah. And they legitimately had boxes of posters that we were just like, you can't throw these away. Right. Like on top of the fact that they're amazing posters, they're actually worth a little bit of money. Like yeah, why right. would you want to? Let's just sell them if anything. Let people have them. So we've still got a. Two or three boxes of them hanging out in California that someday will go on a web store for like an affordable price. We're not going to rip anybody off, but um, you know, because uh, I've seen people sell those posters for like a hundred bucks. I'm like, yeah, twenty five bucks. We'll throw them up there for twenty five bucks each. What do we? What do we care? We didn't pay anything for them, so I wanted I wanted a discount. Don't you have a poster? I want to get all three. Like oh you, well, though, like, well, you, like yeah, a luxur- no, luxurious gonna... hookup. So I, I was going to say, didn't I give you a poster? I gave you a poster for one and two, didn't I? No, just one. No, just two. I, no. Are you kidding? I didn't give you a poster? No. Fuck. I thought I did. <laughs> you're off, slacking, off the you're record. No. I gave, I, gave, I gave somebody a poster. Well, I, well for part three, they, they don't have anything. They, yeah. they hate part three. Yeah. They really do. They, kind they, of the redheaded stepchild. Yeah. Up they're the really embarrassed by that movie. So they, they, they feel like they that's didn't. why the franchise ended. Yeah. They yeah. actually think, because that movie, part, Witchboard 3 and Night of the Demons 3, were sort of made in an attempt to rescue Republic Pictures. Mm. Because Republic Pictures was on its way out, and they had always made money off those movies. So they kind of went to them, like begging them, like, please give us another one so we can try to stay afloat. And when those two came out, whew, well, Republic Pictures doesn't exist anymore, so obviously it didn't, say that. it didn't work. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. I'd like to get my hands on your, I don't have the script for part three, or part two. I'd like to get my hands on those, because apparently the ending for part two was different. very different. different. Yeah, And part three, who knows. Yeah. But I have the, which will be on the documentary. I don't know if it'll be there as a whole piece but we have the director's cut in Night of the Demons 3 that has a lot of footage that didn't end up in the final movie is it better is it better with the uh, director's cut no I mean at the risk of hurting someone's feelings don't incriminate yourself right Um, no it's it's interesting Mm -hmm. to see what could have been but also terrifying to know what could have it could have been a lot worse that's what I tell people is that the movie could have been a lot worse it, 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 it might have been, and if they didn't step in and re-edit it and kind of fix some stuff. Yeah, because usually the director's cuts are better. Yeah, usually. No, not in this case. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the 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 director is a wonderful again a wonderful guy, very friendly guy. But he made Night of the Demons three. They hired him because he could do it in two weeks, and he um, was affordable for what they wanted to spend. So he went into it without watching the first two. Mm-hmm. His mindset was, I don't want to make a sequel that duplicates everything the first two did, and by taking inspiration from those, I want to do my own thing. And he did. Hmm. And sometimes it was okay. Sometimes it's like you totally don't get what this is supposed to be. Um, I guess a good example is in the original cut of Part 3, when they first the kids first see Angela for the first time, um, she's wearing a witch's hat. And she takes it off and tells them that she's getting ready for Halloween. That's why she's wearing that costume. So he thought she was a witch. Mm-hmm. Not a goth chick in a black wedding dress. <laughs> so it was like, if you had watched the first two, you would have never put that Maybe hat on her. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but he saw the black dress and was like, oh, she's a witch. She's supposed to be a witch. 
So we'll give her the pointy hat, and, you know, she's dressing up as a witch, so cool. Um, he also took her out of the wedding dress a few times, which was a... Oh, really? Uh, a big no-no. Yeah, he had a, the, a couple scenes where she was wearing a baseball cap and a tank top and some <laughs> booty shorts and high tops. Hmm. So they reshot all that stuff. They reshot it. Uh, if you notice, there's a lot of close-ups of Angela in Part Three. That's all the reshoots. So he tried. So he just went off of the third. The script for the third one. That's really all he had for. Yeah, yeah. And he had some bits of comedy that were not great. Um, but then he had some stuff. I mean, like I said, I mean, the movie as it stands, as I look at it now, I like it more than I ever did. But. Um, I think if you just kind of separate it from the rest. It's kind of like with Halloween with Season of the Witch. It, yeah, yeah. Maybe not to that exact extreme because... People like, love it, Season of the Witch nowadays. Yeah, yeah. You know, Well, and on top of that, too, like, that's so different. It's really easy to separate it. Yeah. This still has Angela in it, you know, and it's still called Hull House. So it's like... Yeah. It's almost like you're, 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 uh, you're listening to a cover of a song that you really love. Like, you know, it's not the worst thing you've ever heard, but, like, it also doesn't feel right. Yeah. Because it's not the original version, but the more you listen to it, the more, like, oh, it's not that bad. Yeah. It's okay. Like, they, they, they did all right, you know. It's the best yeah. way I can describe part three. I know you said the highlight was meeting Hal. Did you have any other, you know, highlights, fun stories, or interesting things that you've, you know, dealt with throughout the process of the um, documentary? Kathy Podwell played Judy in the first one. Is an absolutely amazing person. She's mm. one of my favorite people in the world. Um, just like her character in the movie, bubbly and sweet, just yeah. so lovely. Um, Amelia's great. Linnea's great. Everyone really has been awesome. Uh, Billy Gallo did some magic trick for, magic tricks for us at a uh, after dinner party. <laughs> that was amazing. He was yeah. drunk and he was doing them. I'm like, imagine what this guy's like when he's sober. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's doing it three sheets to the wind. Uh, hanging up. Steve Johnson's always a hoot. Yeah, that guy's yeah, always cool. he's a lot of fun. Just um, some film history to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he he was great, and he he came so prepared. Like everyone was prepared, but he had a notebook and everything. Mm. He wrote, he took notes down. He's like, I want this to be the last time I ever talk about these movies. I, I'm <laughs> I'm going over everything, and I'm like, all right, that's cool. Um, like we want it to be the last time you ever have to bring it up too. Like you could just tell somebody go watch the documentary if you want to know what I have to say about Night of the Demons. You know, so he was in research mode for his books, probably. Maybe, you know yeah, maybe I don't know, but he just. He was he was a hundred percent there. He was married to Linnea, right? Yeah, for a they, little bit. Yeah. They met on that movie. On that movie, which very stupidly we didn't talk about with either one of them. You might not. <laughs> they're no longer married. So you well, they're friends. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're so friends. Friend. They're friendlies. But like, but it's, it was just like after they both left, I was like, How did we not bring that up. Like, yeah. I just kind of looked at my co director, and he was like. Yeah, they. I think one of them even mentioned him. We didn't elaborate or anything. And I was yeah. like. Whatever, I guess it's, I felt like it's a story that everybody knows, what more are we going to offer them for that? My my goal was to try to get stuff that they hadn't really talked about, or yeah. had, or asked a lot of questions. We would get some of that same information, but also get some new information, and we actually really lucked out, because right before Linnea came in for an interview, she had just watched the movie. Okay, good. So it was really fresh in her memory, yeah. it was like, oh, thank goodness, because like, some people, it's like, oh, it's been 20 years, I don't remember anything about this, and... But if they watch the movie, it jogs their memory. Like, oh, wait, all this stuff came back, and I got it all, you know. And so I, I actually asked everybody if they hadn't seen the movie in a while, could you, before you come in, would you mind sitting down and watching it? Yeah. I like how they're doing it. There's a couple of conventions where they're doing the professional photo ops in costume from the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was, um, that actually, that stemmed from the documentary. Because Amelia put the dress on. We have, um, she, uh, 
we, we had her dress up as Angela as a kind of like Elvira late show mm. talk host to host the documentary. And she put that dress on and it was like, hey, I still look pretty good in this. I could, I could make this work to my advantage. And, uh, she has, she's done great with it too. The dress looks awesome. She's she looks ready good. for the sequel now. Yeah. A lot of people <laughs> are ready for the sequel. Were, were any of the original cast feel snubbed, not getting any cameos or anything in the reboot? Uh, Amelia did. Yeah. I know. I feel like she did. Uh, no one else did, because yeah. I don't think any of them really knew about it, yeah. so it was just kind of like, oh, whatever. You know, there, cool. Is there any talk about rebooting any of the other of the other two, seeing they rebooted the first one? There's a talk, there was talk of a sequel to the remake that uh, they tried doing a crowdfunding campaign for, and it unfortunately wasn't very successful, and I think it kind of died there. Um, I know that the remake rights are tied up with another company because the, there were like four companies involved with the remake and this this might not even be 100% correct so Kevin if you listen to the show and I'm wrong I'm sorry I'm giving <laughs> false information but I think the problem is two of those companies closed and because they closed like they don't know where everything went and they're trying to figure it all out um, but yeah so unfortunately right now no no nothing like that as far as I know but I mean it's Hollywood things change every day yeah. so it could happen tomorrow. You can get an announcement after the show where it's, oh, Night of the Demons is being remade a second time or there's a sequel or there's whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I was wrong. I'll say it now. Just in case I am. Yeah. I'm not always right. I know a lot of Kevin fans are obviously huge fans of Night of the Demons, but some of the other people that kind of went on to do other things like Linnea or uh, Steve. Yeah. Um, did they ever talk about, you know, at what place their fans, you know, put Night of the Demons? You know, um, like, you're going against Return of the Living Dead, you're going against Ghostbusters, you know, in situ- certain situations. Steve Johnson actually said it in his interview. He talks about the characters in Night of the Demons almost more than he talks about Slimer. Hmm. Um, Linnea, being the type of person she is and being in so many things, iconic roles that she's been in, um, it's really hard for me to say where she places it, but yeah. every time she's ever booked at a show, it's always Return of the Living Dead. Night of the Demons, Silent Dead of the Night, or swap those two, like yeah. it was Silent Dead of the Night of the Demons. So it's usually in like the top five movies that she has listed on her banner, or yeah. on her ad, whatever whatever convention yeah. she's going right. to. And the poster's always behind her somewhere. So um, I, I think they hold it in a high regard just because they, they realize there were people who really enjoyed it. I mean, it's a, it's a really fun movie to sit down and watch with a group of people, and it's really great to... Especially in October, mm. you know, if you've got a group of friends over and you're just looking for something to put on while you have a, you know, couple of beers and some yeah. pizza, you can just go to town and just roll with it. Like, you don't need, you can zone in and out. You don't need to be 100% focused the entire time, you know. Yeah. Um, once the shit hits the fan and the demons start killing people, everyone's going to be, uh, you know, yeah. jumping up and down and screaming, hooting and hollering. At least that's the idea anyways. But, um, yeah, so I, th- I think that they, they all hold it in a pretty high regard and they, they rank it pretty high. I mean, it seems like to me they would, you know, they, yeah. they, they uh. They've certainly done it in the last couple of years. I think it's really, oddly enough, I think in the last few years, the movie's really gained some traction with a lot of people. I feel like more people talk about it, more people know about it than before. I don't know if the Blu-ray had a lot to do with it or... I think so, because it really is a lost gem, kind of, you know what I mean? That first one really is. Well, it it was put on a DVD by Anchor Bay, and um, it, it did exceptionally well for them. Yeah, uh, they repressed that like seven times, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and they relicensed it twice, I think, or th- three times maybe. Um, 
and Screen Factory relicensed it as well. So yeah. it's always done well for whoever. Republic Pictures, it actually helped them, because before they put Night of the Demons out, they were just putting out like old westerns and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that movie actually got them into doing more theatrical mm-hmm. market type of stuff, and it made them you know, what they were for a while. It made, a, it made them a lot of money. Yeah, so. I mean, I've always considered it more of one of the obscure. When you're talking, you get into, you know, horror talk with, you know, people that don't really go under the surface of horror. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of underground, but, like, it's starting to become more mainstream right. now, which it's, is good. It's kind of nice that they're remake, bringing back a lot of these older movies, too, and, you know, re-releasing them, because the new horror movies suck. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. I, I, I've yet to see one that, like, totally thrills me. Autopsy of Jane Doe did nothing for you? That wasn't bad. I'll give that one credit. And God knows that sat in my queue on Netflix forever before I finally watched it, and it was literally maybe a month ago. Yeah. I love that movie. I really liked that one a lot. Yeah, it was really good. I was surprised, and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I waited this long to watch it. Right. And actually, I know not a lot of people weren't crazy about it, but I really enjoyed Hellfest. Yeah, that was good too. I, I, I really, I really did, and like, because it, it, it wasn't the greatest thing I'd ever seen or anything like that. But, but like, it wasn't I, the worst. No, it was just a lot of fun. It was a very great Halloween movie. It was a good movie yeah. that I would always, I will always watch every Halloween. Now it was, it was really well, well done. We'll, we'll never see a sequel for it, unfortunately, because it was, I was unfortunately a bomb. But um, I still really enjoyed it. Maybe a directed video sequel at some point, but not theatrical. What do you think of a movie, movie like the new Black Christmas movie? Why did you bring that one? <laughs> we were talking about great new horror movies, aren't we? No, no, no. Now we're talking about the worst horror movies. Um, I really hated that movie. I'm yeah. not going to sugarcoat anything about you that movie. You should not. Yes. No, I hated that movie. Even when I saw that they were remaking it, I'm like, another remake. Well, it's like, with the third. The, it's the second the third, remake. The second yeah, remake, second yeah. remake. Um, and the only thing that movie did was it made the first remake look like. Citizen Kane, by comparison, yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of, I kind of dig the first remake because it's just a dumb slasher movie. Right. At its core, that's kind of what it is. And like, I'm like, if this was made in the '80s and it wasn't called Black Christmas, we would have gotten 11 sequels. Like, this would have been a contender. Billy would have been a contender for Freddy and Jason. Like, yeah. there would have been more of him going into this. But um, it being a remake and it being, you know what it is I think really bothered people because the original movie is very minimalistic and it's super effective yeah original Black Christmas is, is still a very Classic. scary very yeah. well made movie and the remake was just like oh it's just going to be super gory and in your face and that's not what the original is and that's not what the director even wanted to do actually if you ever pick it up on DVD cause unfortunately that's all it's on um, there's a behind the scenes documentary and I'm actually legitimately shocked that the Weinsteins left this on the disc, but he complains about how they are basically, were basically forcing his hand to do certain things and how he really wasn't making the movie he wanted to make. And I'm like, they left this on here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I was floored, but um, there's behind-the-scenes footage. There's a shot where he's getting to set up a shot, and he goes, well, it's what the audience wants. Fuck the director. And he walked away, and I'm like, really? That's in... The documentary about the making wow. of the movie on the DVD. So it was almost like they were trying to make an excuse for why it wasn't, you know, what it could That's have been. Um, maybe Harvey was occupied at the time. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but uh, but I, I do. I, I like that remake. I hated the new one. I really did. I mean, I gave it a fair shot. I took yeah. a friend to go see it. We, we both were expecting nothing from it. We just thought, if it's bad and entertaining, we'll be happy and, you know, whatever. Because at this point, like, we're not expecting it to be anything more than that. And it, it wasn't even that. There was one point during the movie where I wanted to get up and leave, and my friend said, no, 
we're already made it this far. I'm like, oh, so it's an endurance test at this point. <laughs> okay, great. So let's just see how far we can make it before we really want to kill somebody before this movie's over. And uh, we made it all the way to the end. And it was just like, this is unbelievable. It's coming out soon on Blu-ray. Yeah, it's on, yeah. Um, it's on, um, VOD, right? Yeah. yeah. It's on, uh, it comes out March 17th and I'm like, it's the day after my birthday. That's some kind of mean sarcasm. Like, yeah. that day will forever go down in for me is the day that the remake of, the third, second remake of Black Christmas was unleashed on it'll the podcast. Probably, it'll probably be on uh, Netflix really quick because usually the really bad ones are. I recently watched the Suspiria reboot and I uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, I people were hating on it. No, I, I thought it was good. I think what really, the thing that people hate, if it wasn't called Suspiria, I think people would have had more respect for it. Maybe. But the fact that it was a, you know, a reboot of a huge classic, like it don't get no bigger than Suspiria when it comes to classic horror movies, I think that's what really hurt that film. Well, yeah, I don't disagree with that um, entirely. I also think it being such a different movie hurt it too because they were going in expecting more of what the original was but this one was like no colors bleak colors if there were any um music wasn't there focused on story where the first one visually is a stunning film yeah but the story's terrible right you know um there isn't a story there's very little plot in Suspiria, but it's such a visually stunning movie it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter you're just like i don't fucking care i'm this is amazing to look at you know um, and Jessica Harper is always a delight to watch. Of course. Well. Um, I've yet, I would love to meet her someday. I, I follow her on Instagram and she just seems like the type of person you could just hang out with and yeah. she'd, be, she'd be really cool. But, um, I didn't hate the remake. I had to watch it twice, you know, to kind of really sink my teeth into what, how I felt about it. But, um, I, I did enjoy it a lot more the second time. The first time I was kind of on the fence, but I did get a free Hellfest poster when I went to go see. That's why you love it so much. Yeah. That free poster really puts them over. It just, you know? it just helped, yeah. Because they were doing a, they did a survey after the movie, and they, I think it was Amazon was doing it, and they asked a bunch of, uh, it was just questions on a piece of paper you had to fill out. The movie was over, and when you handed in the survey, they had like a box of stuff you could pick from, and um, there was a Hellfest poster. It was a full size poster in the box, and I was like, oh, can I? Is that? Can I grab that? Yeah, you can grab it through ours. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, I've never gone to a, gone to a movie where they've actually had like the full size posters. It's usually like the mini posters. Mm. Well, this was like a different. I think the theater, or maybe it was the theater doing that. I don't know, but somebody was doing it, and it was very clear like they had posters from like the last week's releases. They just rolled up and put in a box. Like, oh, we're going to throw this away. Yeah, you yeah. can have them if you want them, you know. And um, they had some other stuff that you can get, but I was interested in the poster. I love the poster. It's it's all illustrated and it's mm. bright and colorful. I actually should have not been here, but yeah. I can, I can interchange these. Someday he'll come in and it'll be in here. I await that day. Yeah. So from Suspiri with the Dario Argento, we'll jump into real quick the uh, Lamberto Bava's Demons film, which I know you're a Gigantor fan of. Mm-hmm. You know, great film, great film, beautiful. Um, do you have any news? About, I heard there was like a 35th anniversary um, coming up or something like that. I... I turning 35 this year and uh, a group of folks and I are planning a 35th anniversary screening of the movie at the Coolidge Corner in Boston or Brooklyn Brookline Brookline in Massachusetts Um, and um, we got a couple of surprises in store for people Um, we are making the movie four dimensional Mm. rather than three dimensional so it's going to be a bit of interactivity going on throughout the film which I think fans will really dig yeah, respond well to. 
the interactions a lot better. Is that going to yeah. be a smell of vision? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, we're, 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 yeah, I don't know. We're, we'll come up with a demon, <laughs> demon scent. The snozberries yeah. are going to taste like snozberries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lick, <laughs> lickable posters. Yeah. When was the first time you seen demons? Uh, Do you recall? I mean, I recall seeing it for the first time. I don't know how old I was, but yeah. I was young. Again, single-digit age. I guarantee you I wasn't any, any older than 10. Yeah. And I had actually seen Demons 2 first. And I, I I know I rented it at a video store in Rhode Island, and then I, was, and then I eventually found the first one, brought it home. And it was, um, when I rented it, the video store had accidentally given me The Demon. Okay. Not Demons. Two very different films. And I was watching The Demon for it's about like, 30 minutes, and yeah. I was like, there's no demons in this. Like, Black and white, isn't it? No, it's, it's in color. It's, okay. it's, it's, remember, it was a movie about a slasher who had, like, razor blades. Yeah, still to this day, I haven't seen the movie since. Okay. I watched it that one time, and then I just started fast-forwarding. So I'm like, I'm going to see what the demons show up. Yeah, yeah. And then they never did. And I was like, and I'm looking at the tip, but this has to be, this can't be right. Like, like this, I got the burn job on this movie. Right, like, what the hell? <laughs> demons 2 is so much better than the first one. And then I, 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 I looked at it, and I was like, no, this is called The Demon. So I called the video, so I'm like, oh, yeah, we must have given, we must have put the wrong tape. And then I said, okay, well, can I come get the right one? They said, yeah, I come get it. So my father had to select me back to Blockbuster. And um, I made the woman describe the cover of Demons to me to make sure that we knew I was getting the right tape this time. And then I looked at it and it said Demons. Like, okay, this is, this, yep, this is it. Okay, cool. So I got it home. At that point, it was late. My father's like, all right, go to bed. I'm like, no, I want to watch, like, I want to watch Demons. And he goes, no, go to bed. It's late. I'm like, can I at least watch until the first Demon shows up? He's like, all right, fine. So my father was a softie. So we watched the movie. Rosemary spins around, spits out the green bile. I flew out of my chair, hid behind the chair, and looked at him and went like this. Eyes super wide, hands on the chair, and he was like, you're not going to bed tonight, are you? And he knew I had to watch the rest of the movie, and I did. And uh, I loved it. Um, I uh, stayed up later than I should have watched it with him and didn't get ratted out by him to my mother, so we didn't get in trouble. But Good man. Yeah. And then... Uh, Watched it a bunch more times while I had it rented. I actually, I, I remember when we were going to bring it back, I still had it playing. And my mother came in when the demon falls through the seat and starts puking blood all over the girl. She's like, what the hell is this? What are you watching? <laughs> and I was like, it's demons, Mom. We'll turn it off. We're going to bring it back. And I'm like, but I want to finish it. We're bringing it back. I was like, all right, fine. I think it was my fifth time watching at that point. And then uh, a video store by me was, um, they weren't closed, they might have been closing. I don't know if they were closing or not, because this was before, like, a lot of them started showing. Now, I think this one was just closing because the woman was done. She had just, she had run her course. She was, she was all set. And she was Russian. And she had a very thick accent. And I went into her video store, it was Video Store 44, and there was demons on the shelf. And I said to her, is this for sale? And I sell, I sell it to you for $15. $15 and it's yours. And I was like, all right. So I handed her twenty bucks, got it for fifteen bucks, and I was so excited. I owned a copy of Demons, and uh, I wish I still had that tape. But even back then, it was beat up. It was yeah. really beat up. Like the case was held together with scotch tape. It was all worn out. I don't know what she, all of her cases looked like. That. I don't know what she did to her cases at her video store, but they all looked like they had been put through some kind of hell. They transported <laughs> cocaine. Yeah, no, no, it was right? weird. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, I found a better copy, you know, with a better case, and that's the one that I. Uh, it's one of the ones I still have. I, I have uh, I have four copies of that on, on VHS. You are a big VHS man. I am. I also have it on Blu-ray, and I had the DVD. Uh, 
I've seen it screened twice theatrically, which has always been great. I want to say I've seen it screened once at least. The Coolidge, Coolidge. played it 11 years ago. I think was the, <clears throat> the, the the finite date on that was 11 years ago. And it was the first time I had seen a movie in a theater where I felt like um, the audience really shocked me with their response. Because when the movie starts... There are a lot of people laughing at the dubbing. There are a lot of people joking around. It's like, oh, fuck, this is what kind of screening this is going to be. But then once the scary shit started happening... Everybody sent me down. It it stopped. Everyone was, like, hooting and hollering and jumping. Like, the guy next to me leapt five feet in the air at one point. His girlfriend thought it was hysterical because she had seen it and he hadn't. Yeah. And it was just like, wow, this movie still has legs. This Mm -hmm. movie's really still effective in the right crowd. It really works. And when the demon came out of the girl's back, it got a standing ovation. Everyone stood up and clapped and cheered. And I'm like, I'm sitting down. I'm like, I've this never seen this before. You know, this is incredible. And then when the movie was over, all everyone could talk about was how much they loved it. And I'm like, there's a theater full of people, some who have never heard of this movie that just mm-hmm. saw it in this type of a setting. And they absolutely loved it. This movie needs to be screened in theaters across the country, you know, often because yeah. this, this did so well. And uh, so I'm really, I'm, that's why the, the event kind of popped in my head for the anniversary that something some attention needs to be paid. And there's know? always and there's always a difference between, you know, seeing a movie on the big screen as opposed to watching it at home. Right. Yeah. With it's, an audience. Yeah. A good it, movie's a good movie, no right. matter when it was made, yeah. you know what I mean? Right. And, and Demons is, you know, it's effective. It has, um, it has huge gaps in logic, but if you just, I mean, I think if you just kind of shut your brain off and just kind of go for it, you're not going to focus on that stuff, and then you'll just, you'll just have a good time with it. The effects are really good, too, really solid. Yeah, the effects are really solid. It was a super low-budget movie, too. Yeah. I actually didn't realize it. Uh, it, w- it wasn't made for a lot. I can't remember the exact number, but somebody said it was like 500000 and I'm like, that's, that's not bad. It's insane when you look at what they did, you know what I mean, and how much is in it, you know, and how many extras there are and all the effects and all that stuff. But it's like they put the money in the right places if that was truly the budget, if it was that low budget, you know. I always remember the teeth effect where the, the fang yeah, pushed out the other yeah, teeth. Yeah. Do you have any idea what Dario's actual involvement was? Was this, Did he come in later and just kind of present I, I, it? Or? No, I think he was early on. Okay. I think he was early on. I, I don't know 100%. I couldn't tell you. I think they, um, I think on the Blu-ray they talk about that. I, I know he wasn't interviewed, unfortunately. But, yeah. Um, I think he was pretty early on. Because I, I, I know he wrote part of the second one. Mm-hmm. And his daughter's in the second one. But I, I'm pretty sure he was he was probably the reason it got made, to be honest. Yeah, you're probably he, right. He might have been the reason it even got made. But I know that their idea, the concept, was to make um, an Italian horror film that felt like an American horror film. Well, they really, a lot of mu- American punk yeah, music. And they really like wanted it to feel like it was something that was made in America, so their focus was action over necessarily um, suspense or scares, but... They still managed to trickle some of that in there, and, it, and I mean, I, I think there are some people who would say it's still a pretty scary movie. Was that around the time of Dawn of the Dead? This? Yeah. Demons? Was that late? Demon, the first Demons? Was Demons that was, like, in released game? in 85. Dawn of the Dead was released in 1978, so. Okay. So, I thought it was later. older than that. I thought Demons was a little older. No. Because I know he produced, Argento produced Dawn of the Dead, didn't he? He had his hand in it heavy. Yeah, he, and he had his own cut of the film that yeah, he did I remember overseas. That. Um, he, uh, I think Suspiria was his biggest film ever. Right. I think it still is. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, so that one, 
Attention. Which was closer to Dawn of the Dead, right? They were both late 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were both late 70s. But um, Demons was older. No, it was 85, and actually it didn't get released in the U.S. until 86. So, technically, this year is the 34th anniversary in the U.S., but it would be the 35th for the rest of the world, which... So will you be bringing it to another country? Yeah, okay. <laughs> We're going to go international with it. That's uh, cool. The Coolidge, you said? The Coolidge Corner Coolidge Theater? Coolidge Corner, yeah. Yep, on September 19th is the tentative date, so mark that on your calendars. It's what, March? So you guys March, can plan six months ahead. You have plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Be there, be square. Yep. And it's um, a midnight screening, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, as far as I know, it's midnight. We're still ironing out details, so I hope I don't get yelled at for announcing this now, but whatever. Chris is planning a lot of really cool things it's, to go along with just the screening, so you definitely don't want to miss it. It's my event. I can talk about it. It's his event, damn it. Right? <laughs> I'm allowed. We'll, we'll continue to remind the folks leading up to it. Yeah, promoting definitely. It, let them know yeah, you guys are definitely, you're definitely going to be there. I'm good at doing it. Oh, yeah, we'll be, up, we'll be in the building. <laughs> we'll uh, have make, a hell of a time. Have, have a hell of a time. See what I did there? I like that. He's bringing it back. He's I, wrapping it around. I did. I, I, brought, it, I brought, it back, brought it back to Night of the Demons. Yeah, so... Yeah, the the conventions, uh, the, the death of Rock and Shock, and there's supposed to be a new one in its place, but there really hasn't been any talk of it since the initial talk of there being a replacement. Um, but I'm a hoping, lot of things been on the hush. I'm hoping something <laughs> yeah, comes around. I know, I know that you're you, you've gone to many a convention too, in and out of uh, our state, good old state. Mm-hmm. Um, Want to talk about some of them or no? Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, my first convention was Chiller Theater in Fangoria in 2003. It was in January, and I only remember any of that because um, there was a guy there selling Freddy vs. Jason, ironically, on DVD. Yeah. And he had it, like, out two weeks before the actual DVD was coming out. Like, he had the official DVD, but he had it early. Because, you know, being a 15-year-old, I didn't understand, like, stores got those in, like, two weeks beforehand. So. Yeah. He must have worked at some store where he took it out of the back room and was like, hey, no one's going to notice. Fell you know? off the back of the truck. Right. So, like, so I, like, it was, I spent my last $30 on it. I remember that. Yeah. Um, that was a, it was a really great experience. Um, I met a lot of really cool people. Again, it was just, and that was like, I think that was at the time where, like, maybe not so much, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe people call it the 80s, it was like when horror conventions were really, like, gung-ho and, like, really, into the 90s, like, you really got some great guests and some great shows, but... For me, the first show I went to was my favorite show because it was like, it was the first time I was in a room with so many like-minded people. Yeah. You know, I got to have conversations about horror movies with people who liked him as much as I did. And, uh, you know, when I was growing up, that wasn't something I had. You know, in high school, I had a couple of friends that, like, liked horror movies, didn't love horror movies. Yeah. You know, and I loved them. I wanted to talk about them all the fucking time. And so being at a horror convention totally acceptable and that's all you wanted to do and um i met eli roth there i met before he was eli roth i mean he had done cabin fever at that point mm-hmm. but he was there as like a guest of Lionsgate, and like they introduced yeah. me to him like oh you know i was interviewed on the news oh really the local news station because i was wearing a dawn of the dead hoodie and they interviewed me about the remake that was coming out they wanted to know how i felt about the running zombies and i was like oh i don't i remember what i said to him oh i really don't it doesn't really matter to me zombies as long as they they're tearing up the screen i'm happy you yeah know? i don't have to run they're actually very impressed with me. They made it a point to tell me that. They're like, how old are you? And I'm like, 15. Where's your mom? 
somewhere. Well, she has to sign a release form before we can use your injury. I was like, all right. (laughs) So uh, they thought I was 18, so they were getting ready to have me sign. I was like, I don't think I can do this. But um, that was a great show. Met a lot of cool people. Met Ken Hart. Met Tom Savini. Bought many of gray market DVD titles. Yeah. Because that was what you did. Yeah. DVD was still fairly new, so people, a lot of stuff still wasn't out yet. So, Night of the Creeps, Return of the Living Dead 2, Video Dead, Scarecrows. Oddly enough, no Night of the Demons. That was one that they didn't have. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, it was a great show. Um, I've done New Jersey shows. I've, Rock and Shock was my main staple. Yeah. Um, you was disappointed to hear that it closed, but, or was done. But it was also one of those things where the last couple of years, you know, you kind of saw the attendance was getting down and. Yeah. The, um, guests, the guests were like gone before the end of the right. you know, the five o'clock cutoff on Sunday. Right. They were already packing up and out the door by like one o'clock. They were announcing people later and later each year. Like it seemed like in August is when they finally started making some real heavy announcements. Excuse me. The headliners were starting to become the same as a couple yeah. years back. Yeah, much. yeah. But Bruce, they had Bruce the last year, which I never thought they were ever going to get. You know, they went out with a bang. They did. No, they they really did. And I honestly thought that was going to help save the show for a little while because they had that great attendance for having him there. And they could say, oh, look, like we really had great attendance this year. You know, so we're going to be able to keep it afloat for a lot while longer. But you could kind of see it. You know, it was just like, because those people want, I mean, Bruce Campbell was a great, you know, maybe I don't know how they felt about, you know, the people who went and just go meet Bruce and they left. But that's Mm -hmm. what a lot of people did. And some of them were in line for like six hours. So it's yeah. like by the time they got out of line, they had to go home. Right. If they wanted to shop at the convention, come back tomorrow. It's like, no, I'm not doing that. You know? Yep. And uh, so there was, I thought maybe, you know, that might have kept it going for another couple of years. But it was just like, you could just kind of see it, you know? Because everyone who wasn't in line for Bruce was in the convention. I'm like, right. who's here? Like, you know what I mean? They're all in line. I mean, Bruce Campbell. Yeah. So. But I guess the vendors said they all did, the ones I talked to said they did really well, so. That was, that was my big, like, wanting to go to Rock and Shock in the last couple of years for pretty much for vendors, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I, 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 I loved uh, supporting the uh, the local artists and vendors and stuff like that. And um, one of the busts I have over there I actually bought from a vendor that was there this year, so. The Cheryl from Evil Dead is from uh, my friend Amy Gamasha's company. Uh, mm-hmm. Squid Fart Arts is the name of her company. You guys should check her out. She's on Etsy. Does it blow ink when a squid farts? I don't know. <laughs> I think it would. Yeah. You can ask Amy. Right. But she's on Etsy and she sells replica Audrey 2s. She does custom work. I'm familiar with yeah, the I noticed, yeah, I noticed, I noticed the Audrey 2s. The yeah. Audrey she's making our, uh, our 14 inch Angela bust for the new campaign. She's, she's doing all those for us, so wonderful piece it's a great piece we posted some pictures of it when she completed it and it's sitting right over there so <laughs> you guys can vouch for that if you want but uh but yeah she's a wonderful artist and um i like i like to do like unique stuff i thought was always the cool draw to a show like rock and shock you can get something that no one else has this is 100 percent original it's hand painted so even if she makes another one it's not going to look like this one yeah you know so so there's a new campaign on the way yeah don't know when don't know when. Don't know when yet. We're be, still trying to figure that out. But be on the lookout. Yes. That'll get the film done out in your hands quicker. Yeah, we're we're hoping. I, I hope we can get it done by the end of this year. But um, we just got to see what those chips lie. We can't. Yeah. We can't say. We can't promise anything right now because we're just trying to. They're trying to get other stuff done. Like I said first, and then it's going to be all right. Now we can 
we can put 100% focus onto this. And it made perfect sense to me. Like, those projects were already... Everyone was interviewed. They just were editing. So it's like, you know, get those out so your focus can go more into other stuff that you need to get done. So. Yeah. Because I got the Robert England documentary, too, that they're still working on. Truth. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be interested to see that one, too. Yeah, yeah. That one's going to be good. They got a lot of really good people for that one. Yeah. A lot of people who worked with Robert and Robert Young himself, I think he, they said his interview, like when they sat down with him, his interview was over like six hours. Oh, really? They have a lot to pull from, so. His whole career, though, right? Yeah. 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 Which is great, because Robert England's wonderful, so. Of course. Another rock and shock gentleman that we won't see again. Not at Rock and Shock anyway. Not, right. Not under, the, not under the banner of Rock and Shock, at least. Maybe whatever show that's supposed to replace it. I think the first time I actually met Robert was uh, Rhode Island Comic Con. Well, he does that a lot, actually, yeah. First time I met him was, um, I think it was Monster Mania in 2008. There was a Return of the Living Dead reunion, and he just, he was there, too. And I was in Maryland, and my friend and I drove out to Maryland for the Return of the Living Dead reunion. Just happened to meet Robert England. I was like, oh, wow. Because, like I said, I was never a huge, huge Freddy fan. Yeah, yeah. So, for me, it was like, hey, man, Phantom of the Opera. And he's like, really? Okay. Yeah, I was in that. And, like, you know, they would talk to me about making that movie. I loved his Phantom of the Opera. I don't know if you've ever seen it. But, I haven't. Um, but he uh, played a great character in that. It was, he really got to flex his acting muscles because he wasn't Freddy Krueger. He was a tortured musician who was yeah. trying to find love. And it was just yeah. like, wow, you know, you really... It's nice when you see them in a different kind of character that, to show their versatility and and, he, and he's a films. phenomenal actor because I mean he's he's classically trained as a stage actor so it's like you know he he really has a lot to offer the world in terms of acting and um, it's gonna sound worse than I want it to but it's kind of a shame that Freddy Krueger is what he's always gonna be known for because I feel like like I mean I guess it's great that he's known for anything but I feel like there was mm-hmm. like. Yeah, it's more potential than just Freddy Krueger. Yeah, there was something else there that could have happened potentially. But, I mean, he loves Freddy, and I'm, fans love Freddy, and not talking shit on Freddy. Don't take that well, the yeah. wrong way, but it's just... Uh, That's why Freddy pops as a character, because of Robert. Yeah, like if it was exactly. Somebody, yeah. Nothing against Kane, but I mean, because Kane could do some good acting, too, but if it was just another a stuntman or something, or somebody in there that just kind of is known for the for the body work and stuff, yeah. it might not like, have as much charisma. Or like the 2010 remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, they actually, <laughs> they uh, they tried um, to recast Robert England in part two. I wonder if you guys knew that. Um, I think I heard rumor, but... He, he wanted more money for part two, because yeah. they were like, you know, we're making a sequel, and he's like, okay, well, I want to get paid more. That was a lot of work for the first one. They said no. So there's one shot of the movie that Robert England's not in part two. Really? Which shot? The shower scene after when Freddie walks out from the steam. Okay. That's not Robert England. Really? And if you look at those stills of that guy, of the actor, you can tell it's not him. He's got a very fat neck. So you're like, oh, wow, that's totally not him. And the way he shuffles, it's like that's not how Freddie walks. Yeah. Like, there was nothing. Until, he closed the whole gate off. So right. Now, now I want to watch it and, you know, really yeah. pay attention so, to that. So they started shooting without, without him. And, and then they realized it wasn't working. And they, 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 off, they gave so, him his money. He probably gave him more than his money. Yeah, once like, they were in that situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're like, all right, we were wrong. You got to come back, and he did. And because they, their mindset was, you know, I think at that point, Friday the Thirteenth, Part Six was out or coming out. I think it was eighty six. So or eight, Part Five was whatever. So they were just kind of like, oh, we don't need to hire. And like they had hired a different actor to play Jason for every movie. Right. I mean, the first one he isn't even in it, but one, two, and three wasn't the same guy. Yeah. So they were probably like, oh, we don't need him. Like they don't care. You know, but they didn't realize with Jason, it's a guy in a mask. Right. You just got to hire someone with a similar body shape. Mm-hmm. 
and you're fine. You know, you can, and as long as they understand and want to do the role, you're good. But if you hire someone who's got to speak and act and emote under makeup, it's like, wait a minute, not the same thing. You know, you can recast Michael Myers a million times and no one's going to blink an eye because all anyone has to do is watch the movie beforehand and go, okay, that's how this, this guy moved. That's how I'll move. And they'll never know the difference. You know, and hmm. sometimes they don't. I mean, look at instances in perfect example is Leatherface with Kane Hodder playing Leatherface as a stunt double. You, anyone, if anyone can point out where the stunt double begins and where the acting ends, uh, give them a screenwriting credit because they deserve yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, Nightmare 2, for all the things people say that they don't like about it, I always say it's got the, his makeup. Is the scariest in part two? Yeah, he's pretty nasty looking in yeah. part two. I mean that the, the, that just the visual of him when he comes out of the pool, I think it is, and there's the fire behind him from like the grill. Yeah, and he's given that look yeah. like he looks such so much evil. like a demon in that. Yeah, and uh, I love the poster. I love the artwork of him creeping around the corner. Yeah, from part two, I think that's one of my favorite artworks. Yeah, the VHS, that was the VHS cover. Yeah, I love that artwork. Yeah, yeah, they always had they always had good posters. The yeah. franchise always knew how to bring it with the art. Yeah, very dreamlike and very um otherworldly and crazy and yeah i think part part two is the only one if i'm not mistaken i think no maybe part five i think two and five are the only ones that didn't use theatrical poster because one does three does and four does but not two and five i never liked the part two with like the the bathroom mirror that's supposed to that's a theatrical poster i never liked that artwork that was done by the artist did the one for the first one because yeah. it was very like abstract, you know, yeah, like yeah. you know. So, um, I think it was the same artist. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why for those two they used new art. But whatever. Hey, maybe they don't like those posters either. Because I think part five had him doing the the hush I think with his was, finger, yeah, yeah. and there was a bubble with the baby carriage in yeah, it, yeah. and everything yeah. like that. So I think that was the part five theatrical. I don't know. Uh, that franchise and I aren't, aren't the best of friends, so there's not. A, there's probably a lot of stuff I don't know about it, but. Maybe you guys can patch up your friendship one day. I think there had to be one in the first place. <laughs> but, um, uh, but I mean, like I said, I adore the first one. And yeah. I, I love part four, but in part two, I, I appreciate for being different. But man, part three, I just I can't get behind it. And I, by all rights, should love it. I love eighties. Yeah, I'm surprised. I love eighties horror movies. It's my favorite decade. Um, Maybe because I didn't see it until I was a teenager. And it was weird when I was a teenager, I loved it. I thought it was great. I was with everybody else. I was like, oh, it's the best sequel in the franchise. Yeah. And then I, somewhere along the lines, I stopped paying attention to it, stopped watching it, then I watched it as an adult, and I was like, wow, this movie is terrible. So, and I actually just tried rewatching it not too long ago, because I have a friend who really loves it, and she was mortified when I told her I hated it. Yeah. So she basically begged me to watch it again with her, and then she made me turn it off because I was... I was heckling it the entire time, and she's like, "All right, I don't want to watch this with you anymore. You just you're ruining it for me." I'm like, "Oh, what? Because I'm calling out all the shit that's wrong with it, you know?" So, I love part three when, he, yeah, when, me when too. he's puppeteering the kid with the veins. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember as a when kid he, seeing that and being like traumatized, the look, and the look of fear on his face as you know he sees Freddy up in the sky right before you know cuts his up. veins and falls. I vomited. I threw up during that scene, <laughs> and then I remember I, I was brought into the kitchen with my aunt, and I drank orange juice, and I threw that up. Oh wow! <laughs> Double throw up because of that movie. Yeah. yeah, no movie ever made me throw up. Yeah, no, not yet. Maybe from being awful, but not because it was scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Garbage Pail <laughs> Kids made me throw up, but that's a there whole other. There you go. Hell. I fucking hate that movie so much. 
No, I, I I own it somewhere. It's uh, it's over there somewhere. I got to get rid of it. It's good to have the tape. I don't have the tape. I got the DVD. The, I got the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray. That's even worse. Yeah, I think I got the Blu-ray. Well, because like you know what, I think that my mindset buying the Blu-ray was they interviewed some of the people who made it. Like I wanted to find out how this happened, yeah. why, and. They and didn't, they didn't get, even talk about it. They didn't get the director. Like they didn't get anybody. Like they got like the main, like some of the main actors. And, like one, like the assistant director. I'm like, they're not going to know why this happened. Who cares? But I, 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 I try to support Good physical, man. physical media. Um, you got it before it's gone. Yeah, you know, and I keep telling everyone when the internet because what we actually had an incident not too long ago where the internet went out here and nobody knew what to do. Mm. And I was like, I'm cool. Yeah. Right, you've got plenty yeah. to pick. I'm like, I'm like, I got, I got plenty to watch. You guys can, you guys can hang out upstairs. I'm going downstairs and watching the movie. So, yeah, we're gonna have to have you on again to talk about the physical media in the VHS world. All I know is if there's a, a snowstorm and we're gonna get more than a foot of a snow, a foot of snow, I want to be snowed in here. It's like when they sit with yeah. the coronavirus, where they're like, hey, you know, make sure you're stocked up on all your waters and. All that Hand people gonna be yeah. when Netflix goes down, they're gonna be kicking in your door for your movies. Oh boy, no, You're gonna have to hide. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get the double shotgun, triple Turn this shotgun. Into a panic room now. I know, right now it's the door's gonna be steel and the frame's gonna be steel, and no one's gonna be able to break it down. Actually, those those walls are if you break, you can break right through them. They're pretty accessible, so I'm gonna have to really reinforce. Scratch that out of the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we're rounding off an episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. We want to thank our guest, Chris McGibbon. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure as always. Always a pleasure. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace Bye. Out. Peace out. Peace out.